You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. If you haven't been with us, we are closing out a series uh, today. We've been walking through this whole month called The Promised Land. And uh, the idea of this series has been looking at the promises of God and not just uh, uh, looking at what God's word says and, and how we can apply that, but also how has that played out in, in, in the lives of actual individual people in our church who are connected to our church. And we've been doing interviews and we're gonna do that again today in a few moments. And uh, we believe that there's power in our story and hopefully the story you hear today will impact you, encourage you, and give you hope through what you're walking through. Now real quick, next week, we are starting a new series uh, going through the month of October. Uh, we have this love-hate relationship with money. I don't know about you, but there are moments where you love it and there are moments you hate it and there are moments you need more of it and there are moments that you wish you uh, had more. Maybe, I don't know if there's moments where you, you know, have more than you know what to do with, but um, we have this love-hate relationship and, and scripture shows us this idea that money isn't our goal Money isn't uh, what we aim for. Money, money is simply a tool that God uses to fulfill his purposes. So next month, we're gonna be walking through this series called Putting Money in Its Place. And we hope you can join us uh, throughout this series. We're gonna be talking about some very practical, uh, practical applications from scripture about how we can steward and make the most of the money God has given us and put it in its place, that it's not the goal, it's not the aim, it's what God gives us and empowers us with to, to, to accomplish his purposes. So uh, that'll start next week. Hope you can join us for that and we'll be walking through some really practical tools for that. Now today, as we close out this, uh, this message series, uh, I wanna ask you a question. What, what is it, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Now I'm not talking about physically, um, Maybe what you see today looks different than what you saw 20 years ago or 30 years ago, but I'm talking about what do you see in yourself? Like, when you look at yourself, how do you define yourself? You know, uh, we're, we're uh, talking about this idea, the promise of freedom today, and, and we're not specifically talking about identity, but identity is really tied into our ability to experience freedom. And, and this, this statement that I, I wanna uh, make here, kind of to sum up what we're gonna talk about today, is really true for each and every one of us. You know, whether you're sitting here or watching online and, and, and freedom is something that you're still pursuing and longing for, or, or it's something you walk in every day. This is true for each and every one of us. It's this idea that the level of freedom in your life is tied to the level of clarity with your identity. So like the two are interconnected. The level of freedom in your life is tied to the level of clarity with your identity. How, how you see yourself, how you view yourself. And, and I wanna explain this real quick uh, with a, uh, before we jump into our conversation with something that the Apostle Paul wrote. In the middle of a letter, he wrote to the Galatian church. And uh, if you're not familiar with this, in the New Testament, there, there are different books uh, that we call epistles, like with an E, and epistles are letters written by apostles, which uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote a number of them. He wrote a large portion of the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, and one, all of those books that we call books of the Bible were actually letters. Isn't that cool? Like, they are that personal. That's why oftentimes when you read Paul's writings, uh, they feel so personal. It's because they were actually letters. They weren't just you know, documents written to be published. They were letters to be read at churches. And, and the book of Galatians was a letter written to the Galatian church meant to be read 
to a group of people that Paul loved deeply and dearly uh, and meant so much to. And in the middle of that letter, he, he writes about this idea of identity and how identity is tied to how we experience freedom and what we experience. And here's what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 22. It says this, uh, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result a divine promise. Now, if you don't know the backstory, this could be really confusing. Be like, what is he talking about? Slave woman, free woman, I don't understand. And what he's talking about is he's referring back to uh, an individual that was uh, alive, that's recorded in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. His name was Abraham. Abraham was a remarkable man that God had great plans for. God has great plans for each and every one of us. And God had great plans for Abraham. And, and he saw Abraham and he said, Abraham, I have, I, have a, I have a dream for you. I have a purpose for you. I have, I have something in store for you. And here's the deal. Your wife is going to give birth to a child. And, and that child is going to be the seed, so to speak, the beginning of my efforts to bless the entire world. In fact, your descendants one day will, will be more numerous than the sands of the seashore. And, and every nation, everyone in this globe will be blessed and and what 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 if you follow trajectory like his descendants would eventually you come to the messiah to jesus and and a remarkable promise that god gave abraham now a few uh, addendums to that promise abraham and his his wife sarah they were older they were in their 90s uh biologically that didn't seem realistic um and abraham Heard this promise, was excited about this promise, but it wasn't happening the way he thought it should happen. So Abraham has a child with one of his servants or slaves, Hagar. And he has a, has a son. He was trying to, to, to bring about the promise on his own. Um, and, and Abraham, because of his impatience, uh, he shortchanged almost what God had promised. He tried to accomplish on his own. And, and Paul here makes a really powerful parallel about our ongoing struggles with our identity and the promise of freedom, a struggle that, that thousands of years later we still deal with. The struggle is often, uh, we often allow our identity to be defined by our problems rather than what God's promise is. For, for Abraham, his identity was wrapped around this problem. He was childless. God, you've given me a promise, but that promise can't happen because I'm childless. And so he I'd wrapped his identity around that, that, that I'm childless, so he's going to solve that identity problem because he was acting upon his identity. Maybe you struggle with this and you, you have this identity. You look at yourself, you say, I'm a, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. My life will never amount to anything. It's just who I am. I, I'm, I'm nothing. Or, or maybe for you, it's I, I'm ugly, I'm incapable, I'm, I'm useless, I'm worthless, and and you've, you've allowed yourself to be identified by that because that's what people say about you. Or, or maybe I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic and, and uh, you, you think, I, I just can't help it. This is the way I will always be. It's just the way I am. We allow the problem we face to become our identity. And this is what, what, what uh, Paul is trying to address to the Galatian church. You see, the definition you hold to about yourself, the things you believe about yourself will significantly shift your ability to push through the struggles and obstacles and difficulties in life. And here's a really simple thought. You 
your identity is not defined by what you do or what has been done against you. Your identity is defined by the one that created you. I'll say that again so you can kind of think it, think it through, process it. Your identity is not defined by what you do or what was done against you. Your identity is defined by the one that created you. Can, can we actually take a minute and say this? It's really healthy to talk, to say things, because, you know, um, when I talk to my kids sometimes, you know, I ask them to say something because it helps you process it better. Uh, can we say this? That my identity, so if you can repeat after me, everyone together, ready? My identity is not defined by what I do or what was done against me. My identity is defined by the one that created me. That is so true, but so difficult to get our heads around. And Paul, he closes out like this story about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. He closes this out with this really powerful statement, this parallel he's, he's making. And it's, it's recorded in the end of uh, Galatians 4, the beginning of Galatians 5. And if you don't know this, like the books of the Bible were not originally written with chapters and verses. So like Paul didn't say, all right, uh, we're finishing up chapter four. Let's get ready for chapter five. He just wrote a letter. Later, they added the chapters and verses. So they don't always fall in the exact right spot. In this particular situation, uh, the end of chapter four actually connects really well with the beginning of chapter five. We're gonna hit the last verse of Galatians four and the first verse of Galatians five. Here's what it says. Verse 31 of Galatians four. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. You are not born into slavery. You were not, I don't care what's been said about you. I don't care what your history, uh, if your family's like. I don't care what heritage you carry. I don't care what mistakes you've made or made against you. You were not born into slavery. That's what he's saying. He says, well, we are not born, we're not children of the slave woman. He says, but of the free woman. You are born for freedom. And here's how he opens chapter five, really follows the same statement. He says, it is for freedom. Can you say freedom? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and let, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That you were born for freedom. Your identity, your identity isn't tied to what you've done or have been done against you. And here's the deal. The level of freedom in your life is, is tied to the level of clarity with your identity. How you look at yourself in the mirror. How you define yourself. How, what you identify with. God has something in store for your life. But if you don't believe that it's possible, if you don't believe it's in line with your identity, you'll never see it take place. And this morning, I want to invite uh, Dave Hook to come up here. We, we want to kind of walk through this uh, in, in, a, in a real life situation uh, and today, uh, you know, Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, those were real life situations. Paul was a real life situation, but, but it's sometimes helpful to see something, how it plays out in, in today's day and age. Here's Dave. I was like, I know where you went. Uh, like sneaking up on me. Sneaking around. And uh, Dave, thank you so much for, for being with us today. It's really such a, uh, an honor to get to, to hear your story, and uh, I really appreciate it. You being willing to, uh, to share that story, uh, I think it's so powerful and healthy. So uh, kind of start things off. Tell us a little about how you were raised. Um, I mean, I was raised, as far as church-wise, uh, Catholic. Um, and my parents weren't regular goers of church. 
we went a little bit more when I was young because we went, I went to a Catholic school. Um, what I kind of got out of that experience, though, was it, it felt very, um, you know, there was a lot of rituals. There was a lot of, you know, ceremony to it. But I didn't feel a real connection with God. And there was a lot of, maybe it's just what I heard, but it, it always seemed like there was a lot of talk about sin and, you know, doing, you know, you know on, on, on kind of an, almost gave me a negative con- yeah. connotation um, to it. So I was a lot of times thinking as I, as I grew um, and, and as, as some of us change and start to maybe sin, yeah. that maybe my relationship with God was done because I've already failed. Yeah. You know. T- tell us about your first genuine encounter with God as, a, as, a, as you were growing up. Um, yeah, I, I remember, I, even though I was going to, you know, Catholic school and I was fading away less and less into that as I was getting older, there was a, um, a like a youth ministry program at Christian Life Church that um, some of my friends um, were in. Actually, one of my one of my best friends, his his other best friend, was a pastor's kid, yeah. and we we all kind of went there together. And we, a lot of times, I just go to play basketball and goof around. But they talked me into going to a, a church camp for a weekend, and you know there was altar calls. I'd never seen anything like that. I was thinking this is weird. I think the first night I just kind of watched and whatever. And they you know they had an altar call. And I just felt compelled to come up, and something felt different. I remember thinking that, like, I don't know, like, this feels, like, personal, you know? Um, but then, at that point, it was, like, this feeling I had, and then it kind of went away for a long time as I got older. Um, but that was, like, my first real yeah. connection with, yeah. with, with God. In your college years, uh, things started to go a little different. Uh, as you went off to college, there's some decisions you made and things kind of unraveled a little bit. Share it with us a little bit, that part of your story. Well, you know, you talked to, I, your, your scripture was talking about identity. And I think, you know, I started to dabble in alcohol mostly, um, you know, late in later years of high school. And then when I went to college, my parents were always pretty strict and they were good parents. And they, they all, my mom always knew what was happening um, you know, she was the mom that kind of knew where the party was before I was. So, yeah. you know, it was very hard to, even though I wanted to, to experiment for these things for myself, because that was the other thing too, is, um, I guess there was a family history that I was unaware of at that point. It was like a big secret. So I just, when they said this was bad to do these things, I just figured they didn't know. And when I went to college, I kind of just embraced that. And I felt like that was my identity. Like I'm the crazy party guy. Yeah. Like, that's, that's who I am. Okay. And, uh, you know, even after college was over, um, you know, I felt like, you know, when other people are starting to grow up and, and have families and kids, I still was hanging on to that identity. Like, this is what I, who am I if I'm not this? No, you know, nobody's going to want to really be around me, you know. Yeah. How, how, how did that play out in your life, practically? Well, there was consequences. I mean, you know, there was there was DUIs. There was there was a lot of pain and suffering. You know, there was there was times where I was scared because, of, you know, waking up somewhere and not knowing what happened. I mean, it was it, w- it was intense. And um, you know, I remember um, I had gotten um, my my when I had gotten my second DUI. I, it was like seven years apart, and there was a lot of ways I was trying to manage and control between my DUIs, 
when I say seven years apart. Yeah. Um, and there was times, it talks about it here in this book, um, that the great obsession of every, every alcoholic is to try to control and enjoy that, that drinking. And it talks about how we chase that into the gates of insanity or death if we don't, if we don't have some sort of spiritual experience. So I was, I was just lost, you know, and I, I, I just, I, I didn't know what to do. I was, you know, I had this, this second DUI and just felt I was about to turn 30. There was a lot of heavy consequences. I had to go on house arrest for a little bit. Um, you know, I, I didn't know who I was and it was it was a very low place for me and I remember my, my dad he traveled a lot and he he he's not somebody who shows emotion a lot and I remember him being like emotional on the phone it was like you're gonna kill somebody like or, or you're going to die from this and I just I didn't know what to do but um I just decided you know at that point let's try something different and there was you know there was 12-step program yeah. it was at the time, it was like some a way for me to get out of the house because I was yeah. on house arrest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm, what, what else do I got to yeah. lose? And th- and that's what's the funny thing is too. For anybody listening to this, you know, when God's putting consequences on you, sometimes you have to get to a place. Well, I don't think this is going to do any good, but let me try. What what, what I got to You're lose? Willing to try something, right? Exactly. Uh, real quick, I want to pause. You you had mentioned uh, you, you your family your family history. Yeah. And you weren't aware of. Right. What point did you come, become aware of that? It, it was shortly after that call where my dad was emotional. I, I guess his father had really struggled. Um, I, I, my dad had even struggled at yeah. a point. And, and, and How what, did that affect you, knowing that, having that information? I, I, I was a little mad at first, honestly, because I was just like, I think that would have been useful. And, you know, today, with my children... Um, they're aware, you know, there's, they know the story. They're, they know the story. They're yeah. aware. Um, even though they're young, I, I think it's very important. You know, uh, this is a generational thing and people who are struggling with, with this, I really want them to know that it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a physical part of this and that I think goes general, you know, it, it, it can go through families and, you know, it's okay to talk about these things. And, 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 and you know, I, I have very frank conversations with my boys, even though they're young, and I let them know, hey, you know, dad had a problem with this. We've had some problems. You could be the first ones in our family um, who don't have to struggle with this That's because awesome. you don't have to do this. You don't have to feel the pressure just because you see other people doing yeah. this to, 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 to fall into that. And that's why I'm real um, invested in, 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 in the youth ministry yeah. too because this is kind of when I faded away yeah. and I you know I want want those kids to know that because it's you're starting to break into adulthood and you're starting to feel what real life things are and it's intense and right now with social media and all the things that are happening so there's so many things that can take your mind away from where it needs to be you know one of the things we learn is is about prayer and meditation and you know and about being able to sit quietly with you know, your thoughts, and, and when life's hard, to be able to sit and, and know that it's hard right now, but there, God's up, you know, my, my, one of the people that was in my program, he always used to tell me, um, you know, God's work doesn't end in a negative. Yeah. So even when you're going through something, he's up to something. Yeah, you bet. And, and you know, and I, I, want, I want them to know that too. That There's something you said yeah. there I think so powerful that we can miss. When we talk about identity and how identity affects, you know, this idea of freedom is your family history 
and our family history, we can be ashamed of to the point that we hide it because we don't want to be defined by it, which is healthy. Um, But there's a difference between allowing the next generation to be defined by it and making sure that they're informed about it because that information empowers them. Like if if someone told me, you know, uh, you're going down this white, your white water raft, you're going down this part of the river, um, just take it slow. Why? Just because you should. You're like, whatever, I'll do whatever I want, right? Right. right. Or take it slow because people have died on this part of the river because it's really rough. Right. Okay, I'm going to slow it down. The information helps inform. And I think that's something important about this identity and freedom uh, that you experienced. Like, your parents were well-meaning. It wasn't like they were trying to, to hurt you, they're trying to help you. But in, in, in sometimes in our efforts to help the next generation, we withhold information so that it's not defining them, but sometimes they need to be informed about it so that they don't follow the same path, so they can be more careful. And I think that's really Absolutely. powerful. And, well, and, and we learn, too, that, I mean, one of the things that they teach in, in, in a 12-step program, you know, it's about character defects and, and honesty and, um, you know, and we're only as sick as our secrets, however you want to say it. And, you know, I find that God has done the most amazing things in my life when I was the most vulnerable. Yeah. When I was like, when I had to go tell somebody I was wrong, yeah. I messed up, like I did some terrible things and sit in front of them and, and worry about how that was going to, you know, what was going to happen to yeah. me. And, uh, you know, it, God has never failed to like wow me in those moments where I, where I really am vulnerable. Yeah. I want to talk about kind of your turning point in a second real quick. Uh, give a shameless plug. You talked about your investment in youth and everything. Tonight is the relaunch of Calvary Students. Yes. And uh, who leads Calvary Students? Um, my, uh, my future wife over there. Future wife. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you didn't know, Rosemary was up here before from Romania. Uh, Dave and Rosemary got engaged. And uh, so they're getting married. How yeah. exciting is that? Yeah. That's going to be super <laughs> awesome. Uh, Rosemary's on track to get her pastoral credentials, and uh, Dave is, you know, being groomed to be a pastor's husband, and he's going to be a great one, and uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I still need your, the book. I, I have can, the book. I can still wear high heels. I can still wear high heels. <laughs> I have it. It's red shoes, but. Red shoes, whatever. Because um, I thought it was geared more to pastor swives, so that's fine. You know, I'm sure it's applicable <laughs> somehow. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. So tell, tell us, what, what was, so you had kind of the, the, the history uh, in college and even post-college where you really allowed your identity to be wrapped up in and kind of that party life and what you were doing. What was the turning point for you? Well, it, it just started with me going to these meetings and I went there. Like it, was it AA? Yes, AA, yes, yeah. yes. And, I, you know, I don't want to, I struggled with that because it's, it's, it is an anonymous program. I, I can choose to break my anonymity at any point. Yeah. Um, but I, um, you know, I, I struggled with that when you had asked me. But yeah. I feel like this is, this is God's story. Yes. So that, yeah. I, and, and if somebody can benefit from that, you know. Um, but yeah. It was a 12-step program. Celebrate Recovery, AA, Right, right. I don't want to pigeonhole people to think that all the solutions are there. It's wherever you can connect with this higher power. And the way they do it when I was there is it's a personal thing. You know, there's a part in this book that kind of turned me around because... What's the book? This, this, is, this is the big book um, that, that, that AA uses. It's yeah. a, and there's a lot of 
12-step work in there. And it's, it's really a book that's a program of action. There's a lot of instructions on here on how to live. It's really helped me. But there was a part in there, there's a chapter called We Agnostics, where if you're struggling with God, and I was at that point, like what my relationship was, or if there was, or what was going on. And it, it said um, in there that God does not make too hard of terms to those who seek him. And I was like, well, that's not what I remember from Catholic school. But it turned me around. It, 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 all I got to do is seek. Yeah. All I got to do is seek. And he shows up. When I, when, when I put foot, my feet, yeah. when I do the work that's in this book, when I, when I sign up for a group, yeah. you know, I signed up for a, a group because at the time Pastor, Pastor Dave said, you know, the teens really, that's a really challenging ministry. And I thought, you know, I, maybe I could help them. Yeah. And I, I went there and, I, you know, um, I met my wife. You know, How about that? that. <laughs> you know, Sign up to serve. Yeah, yeah. You might meet your spouse. That's right. Is that, the, but, is that what but, we're saying? Is but that but what, what I mean is, is like, God, I wasn't that? planning yeah. on that. God, yeah. God does, continues to do above and beyond what I could imagine awesome. when I just do the work. So you, you're in house arrest. You start going to this 12-step program. Yeah. yeah. Uh, things start to shift a little bit. How did God my meet thinking. you? My thinking. Your thinking started my, to My thinking, because, you know, that, that's, that's what you learn. After the physical part of, 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 of the drink is, is gone, it's all about the thinking. And, and we, there's, there's, you know, this, it talks about a confession of shortcomings, you know, looking at character defects, writing things down on paper, yeah. sharing them with another person. You know, I have to get all that garbage out yeah. to, so that I can help others. Because that's the other part of this. Is, is, is when, I'm, when I'm done with this book, I'm not done. I got to teach these people what's in here. Yeah. I got to do what's done for me. I got to be involved. And then I can even take it to other places. I, I don't have to keep it just in those rooms. Yeah. I can take it here. I can take yeah. it anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what I, I learned. But first, you have to get rid of all that stuff. stuff. And, and, you, and, you, and you, you know, you, once you learn how to do that, you do it every day. It talks about, I have a spiritual reprieve based on my, you know, a daily reprieve, based on my spiritual condition. Yeah. So, like, I got to do this every day. In the days where I don't, I might not drink, but I feel a difference. My yeah. day doesn't go as good. And yeah. I'm like, oh, crap, I didn't do this. Yeah. As you walk through the 12-step process, how did God meet you on that journey? He just put people in my life, like, some people would say things and it would make me really mad, and I'd come home and I'd be like, like, like but, what? Well, I remember I was fairly new and I was complaining about my circumstances and, oh, if I'd have just done this, I wouldn't have got caught and, and whatever. And, um, and one guy said to me, he was like, you know, that was God doing for you what you couldn't do for yourself. You should thank God. You could have killed somebody. You could be dead. And I, I remember being mad about that, like, just like, but then it made me think, okay, sometimes I, I just... My conception of God leading up to that was like, I ask him for something. I guess if I've been good, he'll do it. And realizing that sometimes hard things happen and that's God's will and he's trying to protect me from myself. He's trying to teach me something. He's making yeah. me stronger. He's up to something. What is the biggest lesson you've learned through this journey about God? Um, <laughs> that I don't know him. You know, you know, you know I, I remember an old guy who I really respected um, and I thought it really knew uh, God in the, in, the, in, the, in the rooms and he's like, he said, you know, I don't always know what, what, what God's, God's doing, but he's like, I know what's not God, you know, and that was enough for me at the beginning too, you know, yeah. and just stay away from the things that I know God. aren't God yeah. and, and, and just be open to, to what he's doing. What's been the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself? Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I feel like that I can, I can, I used to feel like, I don't know if, it, if it's part of being a guy, you know, and, or just upbringing, whatever it was, I felt like I had to have it all together. And, and you don't talk about your feelings and you don't do, you know, you just figure it out. And it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to be like vulnerable and it's okay to have these, these, these things where you need some, some help. Um, would you have, would yeah. you have, would you be in this place right now if you hadn't been vulnerable and broken at some point? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you think that was one of the keys to even being, uh, you know, being able to take that journey? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing, too. They teach us that in, 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 in the rooms. Yeah. You, you have to be at a bottom. You have to be at a place where I'm out of ideas. Because we have a lot of people come in and they're like, oh, I got this idea. And, I, and, and we just kind of like, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's, it's Until not. you hit the bottom. Yeah, you have to be like, I don't have a clue. Yeah. Help me. You know, that's when, that's when God shows. Isn't it amazing how your helplessness had to happen? You had to feel the pain of the helplessness uh, to actually reach out to the one who could actually help you. Right. And, and like, you wouldn't have reached out without no. feeling helpless. No, I was just thinking about it when we were, you know, when you were doing worship and whatnot and, you know, just the whole journey. And I don't know that, you know, if I, if I wouldn't have had this problem, I don't know if I'd be as close to God. Yeah. You know, I, so I looked at it as a curse. It wasn't ideal, but it was something that God used to get me where I needed to be. Yeah. You know. So what, what brought you to Calvary? Um, I moved up here from uh, South Carolina um, we were doing Elevation Church for a little bit, and then we did, it was so You're big. looking for someone muscular like Steve <laughs> Furtick, and go. you found me. <laughs> there you go. And That's that it. Was, that was <laughs> probably what it, yeah. That, well, we did that, and then we did another church that was a little more similar to Calvary, because yeah. Elevation's really big. Yeah. You can get lost in the shuffle, and yeah. we wanted something a little more intimate. So I had a friend from high school who told me, um, hey, you might want to check this out, and it was close. And immediately, I felt at home. Like, that's what I love about Calvary. Somebody right away said, oh, you like to camp and you like this? And they, they were grabbing me and pulling me over to meet, um, you know, Jason Lafredo. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know. And the next thing I know, I'm on Royal Rangers. And I'm like, I'm kind of like, you know, like, how did this happen? <laughs> and you do an incredible job with Royal Rangers. Like, I love it. it you know, so it, it, at times, it, it stretches me. Yeah. You know, you, you put me in a room with a, a bunch of kindergarten and second through second grade, and they're all over, it's like herding cats. You have a camp out. <laughs> camp, but, out camp out's like another level of insanity. You take them with you. I love the camp camping out. Camping out. I love yeah. the camp out, but yeah. I, I, you know, what I, what I love is even through that monotony when you're trying to just get them to focus, yeah. we'll do a Bible story or we'll do something, and they'll remember things. Yeah. You know, when we go through our, our little memory verses, they start to remember things. Awesome. You know, I've seen a lot of kids over the years, kind of, you know, just blossom in yeah. that program. And uh, it's really cool. I get to be a part of, of everybody here in this church. I get to be a part of their next generation. Awesome. You know? It's and and let's, it, sometimes I pitch myself. Yeah. I was a guy that was like a mess. Yeah. And but look what God has done. <laughs> I know. How, how has your relationship with God grown since coming to Calvary? Um, it's, just, it's just gotten to the point where I don't, I, I, re- I won't say that I'm perfect at it, but I rarely get so, even in early sobriety, and I want to tell this to some people who are maybe still struggling, 
just because maybe you, you choose to do this and you work these steps and you, and you try to do all the things, there's still times where you get hit with a thought. There's still times where you feel weak. That's less and less the more I continue on this because I know it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that look at all these things that God has done. I, when, when hard things hit me now, I can sit and be like, I, there's nothing that a drink or a drug will do to improve that situation. But if I sit here for a minute... God's going to fix it. You bet. And, and, and I can be okay. Trusting him. Yeah. 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 I think it's really powerful to parallel with Abraham, the story we shared earlier. He was trying to fix it on his own rather than trusting God to fix it in his time. And his time was perfect. Yep. But it didn't look perfect from Abraham's seat in that moment. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah, there's been, a, there's been a lot of times where things were, I mean, even in sobriety, you know, I've gone through, some things, you know, divorce and I lot, you know, when COVID first hit, there was, there was divorce. I lost my job. Um, uh, I, um, I had to move back in with my parents. You know, my, my, my future wife thought I was a little creepy at first. <laughs> I mean, honest, honestly, I remember, I remember we laugh about it I'm now. Glad I'm glad it was like airing all the dirty yeah, 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 we, No, 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 we, 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 we laugh about it. Now, yeah. I want to, I want to share this. Yeah. And, uh, we were, we were talking about this the other day in the car and, uh, you know, she'd signed up for the, for, for the uh, youth program, and pa- Pastor Lindsay was there at the time, and she was like, is this guy okay? Because I was, like, weeping a lot, probably. I, I, there was a lot happening in my life, and she's like, you sure he's all right, you know? And, uh, and she was like, yeah, he's going through some things, but, it, it, but it's, it's, it's just so funny how, how that all, yeah. you know, that, that was where it was, was at, but then it all changes. Yeah, and that wild? God yeah. is so good how he takes these painful crazy situations and somehow brings good still out of them yeah and it's changed how you view yourself yeah. today like you just said you view yourself today very differently than you did that guy you know five years ago ten years ago right um was in a different place and uh but but you know what i i, I knew where i was gonna go with that so that's so you talking about god's timing so that that was a mess and then I was up at a spiritual retreat for, 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 for the program that I, I do. Yeah. And, I, and I'm up at Cook's Forest and I'm cooking breakfast and we're talking about, like, I'm not working, but I was like, I got this lead. I, the company I'd worked for for 20 years had let me go, but, you know, I, they were talking to me again. So somehow they found my resume. I don't even remember applying for this job, but I was applying for a million jobs, so maybe. And um, I get this call while I'm cooking breakfast and I'm talking about it. And they hired me back. Wow. And they didn't make me pay my severance money back, and they gave me a raise. And I get to work from home, and since I, I, I'm raising my kids by myself, yeah. like, it, 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 you, can't, you can't write stuff like no this. No way. That's why I get emotional sometimes when I'm, I'm sitting in there, and I hear about people who've went through it, yeah. and then God shows up. Like, anybody who's experienced that, that's just like, you know? Crazy. Yeah. Like, you're like, that's got God all over it. Yeah. You know his touch. Yeah. It's like unmistakable. And you have it on your life. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you for being a model and example to our youth, our children, that one situation, circumstance, or season doesn't have to define you, but that God gets to define you because he created you, and you are living proof of that. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank you for that. And you've invested in my own son's life, and I, I'm so appreciative of that. Yeah, I love Zach. Uh, He's great. Yeah, Zach's awesome. Um, as the worship team comes this morning, I, I want to kind of apply this because... Um, I mean, Dave's story is amazing, um, but maybe you're here and you struggle with addiction, sobriety. Maybe for you, it's other things that have come to define your life, 
that you can't detach from. You have struggled finding freedom in your life. And uh, I, I wanna kind of challenge you to, to do something today. Because if you wait, you know, you wait to, to, to like, hey, I'll get to that at some point. Like, you never will. Circumstances will change. And, and, and I always like to say it's never gonna be easier to make a decision and change today. Like, today, it's never gonna get easier. Tomorrow, the day after that, it's only gonna get harder. And there's three P's that I wanna challenge you with. Three P's to act upon. If you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with sobriety, if you're struggling with uh, issue of freedom in your life, something that's, uh, you know, holding you back, it could be pornography, uh, who knows, whatever it might be. The first one is to experience the peace of God. We get anxious about, we need this, I can't survive without this, I, I can't live without this, and that anxiety causes us to act upon it. Abraham acted upon the anxiety that God's promise wasn't gonna happen, he was gonna miss it. So he tried to do it on his own. He tried to make it happen on his own. The, Paul writes in Philippians that the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. My first P, and if you have never experienced this, I would encourage you to pursue the peace of God. The peace of God. Number two is to identify a person, an actual person who can hold you accountable, who can help you, hold true to the steps and decisions you're making. If you make the decision on your own, you'll talk yourself out of it. Am I right? You'll, you'll talk, you need a person. Uh, you might call that an accountability person or whatever word. You need a, a person that's dependable, trustworthy, seasoned, and can hold you accountable. And the third one is you need a program. Dave mentioned, you know, we talked about different programs, AANA, Celebrate Recovery, there are others. Find a program and get connected. You need something that helps you on that journey when you're weak. You need to know the peace of God. You need a person, but you need a program, a program that gives you a path. Our hope and prayer for you isn't that you become defined by your mistakes, your struggles, or what's been done against you, but that God ultimately can define you and identify who you are, that you are a child of God. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High. That is who you are. You might not feel like it. It might not be what others say about you, but it's true. He created you and he loves you. And as we close this morning, I'm gonna pray. And and what I wanna ask you is if you have never taken the step to follow Jesus, that is the first step in experiencing the peace of God. You've never experienced what God has for you, meaning his forgiveness, that he can forgive your mistakes. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, uh, went to the cross. He died not to start a religion, but to pay the price for your mistakes, for your sin, what the Bible calls your sin. You can experience his forgiveness, but also you get to experience his purpose. Psalm 139 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a purpose for your life. From the moment you were born, he shaped you for a purpose. And I want you to experience his forgiveness and his purpose. If you've never experienced that before, maybe like David, you experienced it at a young age or at one point in your life, you've kind of walked away from it. You've, you've drifted and it's time to come back home. It's time to say, I, I need to be who God made me to be, not what others say about me, not what my circumstances say about me. I need to experience his forgiveness of my mistakes, my sin. I need to step into his purpose. So if you could bow your heads this morning.
as we just respond to that, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing and I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to those that are here today. God, maybe they struggle trying to do this on their own. Just as Abraham did, as Dave mentioned, Lord, they're trying to find their way forward all on their own. But God, you wanna help them. You are there to support them. You made them and created them. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would speak to them, prompt them even this morning. And if you're here today, as you're continuing to pray, and you'd say, Nick, I've never taken this step to follow Jesus. I've never experienced his forgiveness or I've never stepped into his purpose or I did many years ago, but I've walked away or maybe you're watching online and you'd say, Nick, I, I, I'm trying to make this on my own. I'm trying to do this on my own. And if you're, you're here, you're watching and you'd say, Nick, I, I, I need Jesus in my life. I can't do this on my own. As Dave mentioned, I need that higher power. His name is Jesus and I, I need to experience that in my life because I can't do this on my own. We weren't made to do this on our own. I'm gonna count to three. I'm gonna count to three. I'm just gonna ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. And as you reach your hand toward heaven, this act of your will, every recovery program will talk about the act of your will, the, the importance of acting on your will. The, 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 this is an act of your will that I'm saying, I want Jesus in my life. I want to experience his forgiveness. I want to step into his purpose. That's you this morning on the count of three. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven this morning? Amen. 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 Anyone else? You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer with me this morning. And uh, whether you raise your hand or not, I wanna lead you in this prayer. This isn't like a magic prayer or something super special. or uh, It's just a conversation with God, that's all prayer is, that I wanna lead you in. My hope is, if you're not a, a praying type of person, my hope is that this is the first of many, many conversations you have with God. So you've talked to him. You share the good, the bad, the ugly of your life because he wants to be part of that as you invite him into your situation, circumstance. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? And speak this from your heart, not just from your head as you're repeating it, but speak this from your heart. Dear God, thank you for loving me enough to meet me where I am. In my pain, in my mistakes, in my struggles. Today I accept your forgiveness. I commit to live for your purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.